good, everybody? Welcome to episode 49 of the Gold Standard Podcast. I am Rob Stats Guerrera. He is Levin Black. What's up, Levin? Other than the sky, I am excited that we have an actual full week of real football. I mean, it's practice. You know, you can give me the Allen Iverson quote if you want, but it's a lot better than what we had the week before because that would be no real practice. We have actual practice, actual news, actual quotes. There is a ton going on that we need to get to. But before I get to all that, Levin, I just want to take a minute and say thank you to everybody out there that listens to this show and all the shows of the Niners Nation Podcast Network. We always tell you to subscribe. We are very grateful for that. Uh, just a little, little uh, you know, thank you to everybody. Niners Nation had the best May the best June and the best July in the history of Niners nation. And that is thanks to all of you listening. So I just wanted to say, I appreciate it. I'm very grateful for it. And uh, we hope to keep that streak going in August and beyond as we get into the season. Yeah. Let's hope uh, if we have a winning season, that would certainly help. Despite your best efforts, Levin, we (laughs) had uh, over 200,000 listens over that time period. So like I said, thank you to everybody. And we do appreciate it. Yeah, apparently uh, my voice isn't as terrible as my wife says it is. <laughs> <laughs> okay, wow. Didn't didn't know we were going to go there, but that's pretty cool. She just tells me to stop talking all the time. Well, uh, please. <laughs> well, then she and I should form a club, but here we are. Um, all right, I, I do try to go out of my way to make all the shows different that we offer, um, but there's no way to escape the fact, Levin, that we have to talk about the quarterback situation. It is the dominant story of training camp. It's not the only story for sure, and we're going to get to a couple other things. It is the most dominant story of training camp. Trey Lance really seems to be putting his foot on the gas in terms of challenging Jimmy Garoppolo for the starting job. Mike McDaniel, the offensive coordinator, had some really interesting quotes that we're going to let you hear today. Also, uh, something that D'Amico Ryan said in his press conference that doesn't seem to be picking up a lot of traction on Twitter and elsewhere, but when I read it in the transcript, I was stunned. And the first thing you said to me when you popped on the stream was, we have to talk about this because I can't believe D'Amico Ryan said it. Yeah, we'll get to that later, but uh, it certainly seems like a longtime starter for the Niners might not be starting. Unbelievable. Um, I do want to let people know before we started, Levin delayed the start of this pod because he had to he had to handle something in the studio. Apparently, there was a very dangerous lightning bug that, you know, he had to make sure to not threaten him and his person. So he stood up to try and take care of it. And the next thing I heard from Levin was, oh, now, I don't know much about lightning bugs, dude, but it sounded like the lightning bug was winning. I think I said, damn it, actually. And that's because I was trying to let it live. I was going to have a window right in front of me. And I was going to mm-hmm. open a window and just put the piece of paper that I got it on in there. But then I decided, now nah, I'm going to fly. I don't want to be on this piece of paper. So I said, damn it, because that meant it's getting smashed because I don't mess around with bugs. If you're going to fly around me, you're getting killed. I, I don't like bugs. So it's fly. a lightning bug. It runs on batteries. Well, it's not a never last battery. <laughs> <laughs> you murderer. You killed that lightning hey, bug. I bring enough light to the world. I don't need lightning bugs around oh, me. Oh, God. That was terrible. <laughs> I hope the pot. We're not getting 200,000 downloads over the next three months. I'll tell you that. All Our right. sidetrack is coming early in this episode. Unbelievable. <laughs> I bring enough light to the world. Let's just move on as best we can. Um, 
Trey Lance once again had a one incompletion practice, his second straight one incompletion practice. He has been phenomenal over the last two days as we sit and record this. He's basically been 20 of 22, which is 91%. And overall, he's got about a 70% completion rate, granted against the second string defense. But nonetheless, he's been absolutely blowing up. His highlights are, are trending on social media, Levin. You and I have talked about the pressure that's going to be on Kyle Shanahan and the Niners to start Trey Lance, and it's already building, what, this is the seventh day of install. Yeah, I mean, I've had a couple thoughts over the last two days in regards to this. One, Trey Lance has done everything you would hope he could possibly do as a rookie coming in. That's what I take from the first week. Trey Lance has been as good as you could possibly hope for a rookie coming into his first week of a training camp playing against NFL caliber players for the first time, he has been, I mean, lights out. Has he been perfect? No, but no rookie is coming in and being perfect right away. I mean, Patrick Mahomes isn't perfect in training camp, and he's arguably the best quarterback in the league right now. So you can't expect perfection, but, I mean, he's been ridiculously good. And the other note I've taken, and this has come just in the last two days, really, the media has seemed to shift. Yes. Early in training camp, the media was very, um, I wouldn't say they were putting Trey Lance down, but they weren't covering his stuff nearly as much. It was more, well, Jimmy did this, and oh, Trey Lance did that. And it it seemed like they were getting a slant going almost. You know, they were slanting it towards pro Jimmy, and they were actually getting some criticism for that. And in the past week, it seems to have shifted. Now, the media is human, and I think they pick up on trends and the feel of things. And I think that the shift is due to them feeling like there is a shift amongst the 49ers players, especially if you're seeing what the players are saying, especially outside of the uh, interviews with the media. But like on uh, some of the if you've seen some of the texts saying and 49ers player texted me this, I've seen a few of those where they're saying, you know, Trey Lance is the real deal and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. But then also the coaches. And I think the media is picking up on the coaches and players kind of shifting, realizing Trey Lance has a different gear, different capabilities than Jimmy. I totally agree. I think that there was a feeling among the 49er press corps after the draft and even in OTAs that, yeah, Trey Lance is here, but it's going to be Jimmy Garoppolo early and then maybe Lance gets in. And all of a sudden Lance is out there on the field He's dropping 50-yard dimes while he's fading away. He's, you know, making reads out there. He's doing everything. And I I agree. I think it's opened some eyes. Uh, You and I both saw a tweet from Javier Vega of the Oh Hey There podcast from Niners Nation. And it's of Matt Mayoko, who was on KMBR, and who said, quote, there is no question that Trey Lance is the best quarterback or best-looking player on the field. So that tells you how much things have shifted even from OTAs about, what, 50 days ago. Yeah, and there's a couple points to take from that quote. One is Mayoko doesn't really make big, bold statements like that normally. He's not somebody that, you know, he has a different role. Grant Cohn, his role is to make statements, to be more of a columnist, so to speak, using the technical term. You know, he's he's more about saying what he is seeing and what he thinks. Mayoko is much more, this is the news. He's not supposed to inject his opinion really into things. This is a statement from him, and it's pretty rare that he does this. So I think it's very noteworthy 
not only what he said, but who it's coming from. And the other point I take about it is that he also said he's the best looking player on the field. So it's not just that he's a really good quarterback and he's looking better than Jimmy at quarterback. It means he's outshining everybody. And you saw that he went four for four in red zone uh, plays in today's practice, which would be we're recording on a Wednesday. So in Wednesday's practice, like he was unstoppable four for four in red zone touchdowns. And it wasn't all four on the ground and it wasn't all four passing. It was actually a mix. Uh, One was a touchdown to, to Jordan Matthews converted tight end Jordan Matthews. One was a zone read to Wayne Gallman, but the the fake by Lance held the defense and let Gallman score. One was his own read where he kept it and he was untouched. And then the other one was described as his best throw of the day, which was a, a shot in the back of the end zone to Simba Webster. So, like, he's doing it in a bunch of different ways, too. And it, I think that speaks not only to his skill, but also to the variety that's going to come to this 49ers offense, especially in the red zone, if Trey is the starter. Yeah, I mean, let's take it back to last week. Last week, we talked about it, and I brought the question up to you, whether it was, if they're equal, do you go with Jimmy first? Because once you go to Trey, you can't go back. Basically, is it Jimmy's job to lose, or is it Trey's job to win? Well, so far, through the first you know week plus of practices, it doesn't seem like Trey Lance is equal. It seems like Trey Lance is better, which that makes it a no-brainer question. A coach can't stubbornly stick to a starter when all the players know the other guy is better. That that doesn't work out when you do that. You lose, See, some people thought there might have been a credibility issue in the locker room if they got rid of Jimmy too soon because Jimmy had won so many games there. Well, the flip side of that is if you've got a guy that's obviously clearly head and shoulders above everybody else and you don't start him, you also have a credibility issue in the locker room because, like you said, the players can see with their own eyes who the better candidate is and – Certainly, I think Kyle has left the door wide open to start Trey in week one if he wants. Uh, I don't think he's boxed himself into a corner by any stretch of the imagination. And it, like you said earlier, he's checking every single box. When I saw that Trey Lance had the most hours on the iPad, like that stunned me. Like Jimmy Garoppolo, what are you doing? And maybe he's putting in more hours than he ever has. We don't know. But the fact that he still didn't have the most, that surprised me and it tells me that somebody in the Niners coaching staff wants Trey Lance to win the job because they specifically told that to Peter King they wanted that out there now whether it was Kyle I have no idea but somebody in there is rooting for Trey yeah I mean that was my very first reaction was how the heck did Jimmy not win that when he's fighting for his NFL career in reality because I think if he loses this job outright he's going to struggle to find a starting opportunity in the future. It will be, he has to go in as a backup. And if there's an injury, maybe he gets to prove himself as a starter again. You know, if he loses this job outright and spends an entire year riding the pine. But then I thought about it a little bit and, you know, I I can't really say that because Trey Lance is a rookie. He doesn't know any of the playbook. He has to learn it all from scratch. Jimmy already knows the playbook pretty well, so he shouldn't be needing to put in as much time. You know what I mean? There's a flip side to that. If I saw Jimmy Garoppolo had the most time in the iPads, I would be going, how the hell does he know the playbook? Why would he need to spend so much time? You know what I mean? It kind of goes both ways. Like you shouldn't expect somebody that's been in the system as long as Jimmy has to be needing to look at the plays constantly. Maybe, but I've also seen him read defense and he doesn't seem to see a lot of people out there. So maybe he should spend some more time with his nose in the book. 
Um, on that subject, though, Mike McDaniel, the offensive coordinator, was actually asked about Trey and sort of how he's doing with his command of the offense. And listen to what McDaniel said, because he drops in something at the end that really surprises me. There's a, a, an element of confidence that um, is unique. I wouldn't say he's, he's loud or boisterous. He has a confident swag that I think really appeals to, to players. Um, he knows the pressure that's on him like any other player. So he really is really comfortable in his own skin, I'd say. And he's getting to the point where he, he can correct other players, which from a coach's perspective is all you're looking for. You want a coach on the field. You know, the, the person that a receiver is going to listen to much more than a coach is the guy that's throwing him the ball. So he's, he's been very good with that. And um, I think a lot of the guys respond to that. That little thing at the end there where he said he's getting to the point where he can correct other players. You know, it's something Akash pointed out on Twitter, like Trey Lance has been with the team for like, what, three months? And he's already at that point. That's amazing. Yeah, that that is because that's something that it normally takes a full year to two years to be able to do. You don't see rookie quarterbacks or even first year veteran quarterbacks in a new offense calling that many audibles, really. You know what I mean? They might have a basic set of audibles they can call. But it's because they don't know the playbook well enough to be able to know what every single person has to be doing in every single situation and thus be able to uh, correct people and do what they want, basically, with the offense once they see the defense. For Trey Lance to be able to correct people already, that is a pretty big development and shows the time that he put in. And he, he meaning Mike McDaniel, even pointed it out that you know he was talking more about his mechanics but he said they gave him 40 days, the 40 days between OTAs and training camp, and said, you're not going to have time during training camp to work on mechanics. You have to work on them in these next 40 days. And one, he positively said that he worked on them, and they're basically pleased with his progress, and he's not perfect yet. And But when he does make a mistake, they can kind of point out things, and he knows exactly what they're saying. He knows what he's supposed to do. So even if he makes a mistake, he knows what the correction is, but that also goes to the fact that he probably spent a lot of those 40 days learning the playbook, and we saw the reports. I mean, he was working out with different wide receivers from the team, probably working on plays from the playbook, and that has paid dividends here, and we said that was going to be the biggest factor in whether or not he could start because there's no diff- there's no question that he has more talent because of his running ability. You know, he's a top top three pick. He's ridiculously talented. It's how quick can he get the offense, an offense that quarterbacks like Matt Ryan have said took them a long time to get down and fully understand. It's so exciting to to think that potentially we could be in a spot where we sort of see this offense be unlocked in a way that we think Kyle Shanahan wants to unlock it. Although I do want to be fair and point out that Kyle Posey has been at practice all week. And he was talking on the Shanna Plan podcast yesterday about how, you know, it's not like every single rep from Trey Lance is good. He overthrows guys. Sometimes he makes the wrong read. Like he's making some mistakes. But the big takeaway that KP had was what is separating Jimmy Garoppolo from Trey Lance right now is that Lance has those wow plays, just those jaw dropping plays where maybe he, you know, passes up the first read 
you know, the first read who might be a little shorter on the first level of the defense. He's waiting an extra second and he's attacking deeper down the field to the second and third levels of the defense. And that's just something that Jimmy Garoppolo does not do. And if Jimmy thinks that he can just show up and be his normal self and that he's going to win the job, I think he's sorely mistaken, Levin. I think that's one of the advantages of being a dual threat quarterback, too. You can take that extra second because the the risk of taking the extra second is the pass rush is coming. Right. But a dual threat quarterback can get away from that pass rush. If they start running, they can outrun defensive linemen. You know, there might be some defensive linemen fast enough out there to chase down uh, a dual threat quarterback, but not very many. And so if you're a dual threat, you can kind of wait for those deeper passing routes sometimes, knowing that worst case scenario, you tuck it and run and still get something. You know, might not get much, but you can still get something. It won't be a sack. Whereas when you're not a dual threat, most often if you take that extra second and the pass just isn't there, it doesn't develop, you're getting sacked. And it should be noted in Jimmy's case, there might be a little bit of a fear factor there because he's gotten injured plenty of times, so he might not want to get hit. And not only the mobility is an advantage, but Trey has a better arm, too. And so I think he knows that he can wait a little bit because he can rely on the arm to get the ball down the field. Like, for example, the Patrick Mahomes play in the Super Bowl. He goes to the sideline and he's basically like, well, I'm going to need extra time to run this play. I'll just keep dropping back because he knows he has the arm to throw a rocket 40 yards down the field. That's an option for him. That's an option for Trey Lance. Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't have that option. So he can't be as patient and wait for some of those down the field routes to open up because even if they do, he can't get it there. So his in his mind, it's my, my strengths are quick release and accuracy. So when I see the first read come open underneath, bang it on them and let them gain yards after catch. And that's not really incorrect thinking by Jimmy Garoppolo, but it just points to the fact that Trey Lance has stuff in his bag that Jimmy Garoppolo just isn't capable of doing. Yeah. And and to be fair, we should say there was one thing that Mike McDaniels touched on that he said Trey Lance isn't great at yet. And that's his eyes. Basically he stares down receivers sometimes. And he talked about that's one of the biggest differences between the college level and the NFL player um, or the, the speed of the game is that your defensive players are smart enough in the NFL that they will watch your eyes and react. And he basically said, sometimes Trey Lance is good at it. And sometimes he's not, sometimes he still makes mistakes, which tips the defense off to where he's going with the ball. And that's a work in progress. That is a pretty important thing for a quarterback to get down because when you stare down a receiver, it's a bigger issue than simply missing a pass. Because a lot of times that leads to interceptions and turnovers. So it is a very important factor that he pointed out that, let's be honest, we got plenty of time here for him to work on. And I think it should be said, what we've seen from Trey Lance right now is practice. And games are different. Games are faster. You just can't simulate the speed uh, of a game at any level in any sport. Games are always played faster uh, you, you don't have nearly as much time. There's more pressure. It, some players change. Some players don't. Some players handle that better. Some players don't handle it very well. So I think it's important to also pump the brakes a tiny bit until we see him in preseason games, see what he can do when it's a defense that actually wants to take his head off. And I expect to see some of those mistakes for sure. 
what I I hope we get, even from the beginning with Trey, though, because he does make those wild plays, is that when those mistakes happen, if he holds the ball too long and takes a sack, if he you know misses a read, misses a guy open, if somebody gets a holding penalty, and there are mistakes like that, that it doesn't just end the drive, that it doesn't just kill all chances of scoring a touchdown. And that's what it felt like last year with Jimmy Garoppolo or Nick Mullins or C.J. Beathard, whoever you want to pick. Every drive had to be 10, 11, 12 plays down the field. And nobody could screw up because if they did, Mitch Wisnowski was coming out to punt because the offense just couldn't make those big chunk plays to overcome those kind of mistakes. And even though I think Trey will make some of those, I also think that he's going to be capable of making some of those explosive plays that Kyle always talks about to make up for that, to maybe still get the Niners into field goal range, you know, kind of making chicken salad out of chicken shit so to speak. I I hope that he's going to bring that explosive element to overcome some of the mistakes that are bound to happen. Yeah, I mean, best case scenario for preseason games for Trey Lance is Nate Davis. (laughs) He's going to be playing against better than the scrubs in the fourth quarter, but Nate Davis, that's why he became a fan favorite, is that he made a couple bomb, huge plays that you just don't see that many quarterbacks have that physical capability. I mean, he made some throws that were crazy long throws that were with pinpoint accuracy. If we get one of those with Trey Lance, I mean, competition's over because the fans <laughs> and everybody like that's going to be on the highlight reel over and over and over. If he gets one of those plays. I totally agree with you and I cannot wait to see it. I'm frustrated that the only Niners preseason game that is not on NFL network is the first preseason game on August 14th against the chiefs. I'm definitely scrambling for a way to watch that. All right, let's take a break. I'm going to go Google YouTube videos of Nate Davis. In the meantime, (laughs) defensive coordinator D'Amico Ryan spoke yesterday, and he said something that jumped out to us, and you said it earlier, Levin. There is a longtime starter for the 49ers defense that may not be able to claim that title much longer. We'll tell you who it is when we come back. Back here on the Gold Standard Podcast, I did Google that Nate Davis video was against the Vikings. Levin is a thousand percent right. He's at his own like 10, 11 yard line and he just uncorks a 65 yard bomb to Ted Ginn. So kudos to you for remembering that, Levin. <laughs> like I said, while you're watching, it's not hard for me to remember because it's somebody I had college classes with and covered for two years in college. So uh, I remember most of his plays for the Niners as short lived as it was. There weren't many to remember, but they were uh, memorable, so to speak. So. <laughs> Thanks for taking that little trip down memory lane. That was pretty sweet. It's the first result on YouTube, if you want to bring it up, by the way, if you're listening to this. Anyway, uh, D'Amico Ryans said something that shocked Levin and I. We'll let you hear what D'Amico Ryans said, and then we'll react to it afterwards. What are your impressions of Tavon Wilson, first of all? And also, do you envision that being a competition uh, for the starting job when, when Jaquasi comes back? Yeah, I think having Tavon in, Tavon's done a really good job. I mean, he, you can tell he's a, he's a true pro. He's a leader. I love his approach to every day. He attacks every day the, the right way, does a really awesome job of communicating out there with the guys, making sure guys are all on the same page. And um, he's he's just been he's been great in there. So I'm happy that we were able to get Tavon, a really great addition to our team, and like the way he's working. And do you envision that being a competition when Jaquaski gets back? Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. Whenever Tari comes back, we'll see what happens there. This blew me away, Levin. We'll see what happens. Like, 
I didn't even know that this was up for grabs. Michelle Mazuk on Friday last week said to me, who's going to play safety opposite Jimmy Ward? And I was like, oh, Tart's going to be safety. No question about it. Well, guess what? I was wrong. She was right. She's smart. I'm dumb. And Jaquiski Tart might not be a starter anymore. It goes deeper than just that one quote, though. And that, that's the part that really kind of blew my mind was that he went on and spent pretty much the whole second half of his press conference talking about Tavon Wilson in one way or another. You know, first basically admitted that it is a full-on competition. Then when Tart gets back, he's going to have to earn the job with, you know, the quote that you played. But then he went on to talk about how Wilson has crazy high leadership skills. He's become a leader. That it's something that really shocked them, just how great of a leader he is and has been around the team. And then he went on, unprovoked, basically was just asked by the media a very simple question about who has stuck out to you so far in practices. And he went out of his way and only mentioned one player, and that was Tavon Wilson again. Said he sticks out, said that, you know, basically he's been everything that they want and that he's been so good that he's even helping the offense. That, you know, it was it was pointed out by the media and he backed it up. D'Amico Ryan's that is backed up. The Wilson is like after plays helped the receivers and said, you know, do this or do that to be more effective. If he's doing that and he's seen as a leader, it's very hard to not start people that are seen as the true leader of a unit. I was blown away by it. I am. Part of me wonders if he threw it in there because he wants Tart to see it. You know, maybe they're trying to light a fire under him, a guy they re-signed to a one-year deal. Um, you know, maybe they weren't even planning on him coming back. Maybe they thought he was one of the guys they were going to lose given the low salary cap. But the fact that that's, he just threw that out there kind of casually like that tells me that Tart better, better start to worry pretty soon. This defensive or coaching staff, because it's even been offensive coaches, so I should just say coaching staff, they have talked about Tart and said that, you know, they believe in him. They've basically been positive when talking about him in the past. But the contract speaks more than anything a coach mm-hmm. can say. And the contract was a one-year, basically $1 million deal. If they truly believed in Tart, they would have tried to lock him up for two or three years cheap. You know, maybe give him a couple more million, sign him for like two years, $6 million, Or something where they believed that if he plays one year on a really cheap deal, he's going to be so costly they can't afford him. But they didn't. And I think that that speaks to where they're at with Tart. And part of that is that he can't stay healthy. And where is he right now? Not practicing. (laughs) Yeah, if I had a nickel for every time someone said the word health when talking about the 49ers, I would be probably as rich as Jed York right now. Uh, Okay. I'd love to see you as an NFL owner. That's where my mind went with that. Rob is an NFL owner. Yeah, after a loss, you'd be going, get rid of this guy. Well, I mean, remember when Jed York was pounding the table up in the booth and leaving games early and apologizing for wins? That would be, or for losses rather, that would be me. I would be. How'd that work out for him? I would not be the quiet, you know, just sit back, do nothing owner. I would definitely, I wouldn't be Jerry Jones and make myself the GM, but I would definitely be available to the media. Let me just put it that way. I'd still probably do this podcast. (laughs) Not with you, I'd get a better co-host, but, you know, I would still do one. <laughs> Just as long as you're not Daniel Snyder. No, oh, God, I'm not an asshole, so. <laughs> I think it's best we move on from that okay. topic. Dude, there's, that's, all, there's all kinds of that's bad where ways you were that st- can go. 
you were supposed to agree with me there. Oh, I do. I completely do. I'm just saying, like, that's about as far as we can take it and keep this to a podcast that we can publish because there are a lot better ways to describe them that probably shouldn't be on a podcast. <laughs> Let me ask you then about the other kind of surprising storyline on the defense, and that is D Ford. D Ford is out there and he is playing, he's participating in team drills. I mean, We've talked about him a lot, Levin, and you and I both kind of assumed that he was just going to retire, that that was sort of the end of it for him. And Kyle Posey is saying that he's out there and he looks good. Look, I want him to be fully healthy, but he looked good last year. And then he got to a real game and he was out real quick. So it, it, it I'm not going to get excited. You know, I, I want to. Every time I see the reports, I'm like, Oh, if we have D four, this defense. But then I go, no, no, I'm not doing that again. When when the real games come and he takes real hits from offensive linemen, is that back gonna hold up? I'll believe it when I see it. And I hope he has an extremely healthy season. I hope he, you know, has a Pro Bowl season, gets back to double digit sacks. But you just gotta take the, you know, basic. You gotta take the approach that if he is healthy, it's a cherry on top. You can't count on it. That's sort of what I was thinking, too. Maybe it's the kind of thing where they get a little contribution from him early. Maybe he gets banged up, misses a portion of the season in the middle, and then hopefully can come back for a playoff slash Super Bowl run. Uh, I would sign for that right now if I had that option. Yeah, and maybe it's the presence yet unknown of whether or not D Ford will be there for why D'Amico Ryans said what he said about the defense. I think this was the one other big admission D'Amico Ryan's had. They were asked about his blitzes and his scheme and how it's coming. And he basically full on said, we're experimenting with blitzes and how to rush certain people and where to rush them. And we'll hone it in when the season gets here. So basically it's, we're doing everything in this training camp and we'll be experimenting a lot in this preseason. And not only will he be learning by his own admission, but he'll also the players will be learning what works best for them and where you know because where they blitz is important. Some players are great at coming around the outside. Some are better at coming through the middle. So I wonder how much the D Ford health question mark affects what D'Amico Ryan's would be doing with his blitzes. I would assume that it has to, um, just because like he's such a weapon. Think about uh, you mentioned I don't know if it was last week or maybe two weeks ago how. Ryan's can blitz a lot of people. Maybe, you know, Salah might blitz Kwan Williams off the edge, but maybe Ryan's is going to send the house, so to speak. Can you imagine if you've got Warner blitzing? Bosa, obviously, from the line, from the edge. D4, you could put Ibukam in at the same time and blitz him. Kinlaw coming up the middle. Armstead on the inside now, too, because Bosa's back. Like, holy hell, it could be, like madness for the 49ers if they if they like brought in everybody and sent the house you know what formation i would love to see and it would be a very unique formation i would love to see them when it's like a long pass play like third and long and you know they have to pass put samson and put d ford on the outside slide boza in and still have ken law and armstead run five d linemen and utilize them in so many different ways 
You got two speed freak, athletic freaks on the outside, and you can do stunts with them with Boza still going to the outside and, you know, whoever's on that side with them coming inside. Like, those five guys lining up, the offensive line has to go one-on-one. They don't have a choice, and one of those guys is going to win their matchup, if not two or three. So I, I would love to see that formation just because what other team could run it? The potential there is crazy. Now, it depends on all the horses being there, I you know, fully acknowledge. But like week one, I'm sorry, man. Between between what you're talking about and the stupid crap I keep seeing coming from Dan Campbell. Normally what I do is I get I'll get two venti. I go to you know Starbucks to get two venti of the pipe with two shots in them. So black eye and both. That's what I come in with. That's how I start the day. So the Niners are gonna beat the Lions by a thousand in week one, especially with Jared Goff at quarterback. I saw that and I said of course, it's him saying this because he I, I don't know a better word to describe him other than he is the stereotypical meathead of football players. But <laughs> I, I saw that vi- video of him talking about it. And I turned to my wife, explained to her what he said. And I said, my I told her, tell me you're going to die young without telling me you're going to die young. You're drinking that much coffee just as your morning ritual. You're not going to live very long. That is not healthy. He might not even make it to week one. Like that is that is unhealthy. Maybe he was hopped up on all the coffee when he started talking about training a lion to maul people on the field. <laughs> like that would at least explain it. The dude is out of his mind. And I I don't mean to to be biased against that because you know he could just be joking around and like to have fun with the media, but man, when I see that, I'm just like, that guy's gonna beat Kyle Shanahan? Like, really? That guy. I, so, I don't know. <laughs> you guys can't see me, but I've been laughing uh, while Rob's talking because I just had a thought of if that's his morning ritual, he's got a hell of a ritual about an hour later. <laughs> 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 that much coffee? Holy crap. Exactly. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> God. Yeah, Dan Campbell's not a small man either. I'll just throw that out. Former NFL tight end. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, I mean, we're a long way off from that, obviously, but, um, I did want to answer one question actually, before we go, because I always say rate, review, subscribe. If you have questions, we want to answer them. Uh, this question came from at TN Niner fan who says, since everyone's gushing for Lance, how about time on the gold standard podcast to set Jimmy's departure? Is he cut out right? Is he asked to take a pay cut to be number two? They want to maximize his value, and then do they play him and then ask for a trade? How do you see that working out if things trend the way they have been trending? Uh, I think they would love to trade him. I don't think they can. I really don't. Not with what's out there available to teams and what Jimmy has paid. Jimmy has the fifth highest cap hit in the entire league this year. You know, it's over $26 million. Fifth highest. People don't trade for that amount of a cap hit for a guy that's going to be a rental. You know, there might be a few teams out there that would bring him in and hope he earns the job for the future. But let's be honest, at this point, if a team out there in that scenario that didn't have their future quarterback was interested, they would have already come and gotten him. They would have already come and gotten him the moment Trey Lance was drafted. So the fact that they haven't, the only options now are who has a guy get injured and gets desperate? 
Problem is Gardner Min- Minshew is out there. He's a lot cheaper and arguably better. You know, he's less proven, but I would argue I would rather roll my dice with Minshew than Jimmy in the future. And then you have guys like Philip Rivers admitting that once his high school football season is over, because he's a high school football coach, he would consider coming back for a contender that suddenly has a need at quarterback. There's too many other options out there. I don't think you can trade a, a quarterback that is that expensive. So that tells me he's going to hang around. I don't think they'll cut him either. And the 49ers are doing everything they can to pump up his trade value. John Lynch is talking with Adam Schefter saying that Jimmy Garoppolo is, you know, looks the best he's ever looked. I think it was Kyle Shanahan that told Mike Silver that he looks like a totally different player, to which I responded, of course he's going to say that because nobody wants the player that they've seen out there thus far. I mean, they are doing everything possible to pump up Jimmy Garoppolo's trade value. But I got to be honest, Levin, like, there is a part of me that would feel reassured by the fact that if Trey Lance did get dinged up, Jimmy Garoppolo would be there as opposed to a Nate Sudfeld or a Josh Rosen. The only way I would want Jimmy on the field is because Lance was injured, but I do feel better having him as the number two as opposed to those other guys I mentioned. Uh, Agreed. I really think that he will end up being on the team and be a backup. You know, I think that is going to be his role because they're not going to be able to trade him. And cutting him just doesn't make a whole lot of sense because what are you going to do, cut him and then be looking like idiots a month later if Trey Lance gets hurt? Like, you are a contending team. You don't cut quality backups and hope for the best with injury, especially when you had the year that you had last year for the 49ers. Like, learn your lesson on that. I totally agree. And by everything we've seen, There does not seem to be any real animosity between Jimmy and Trey. They seem to get along well. I think that Jimmy Garoppolo seems like he would, you know, obviously he'd prefer to be the starter, but if he was number two, would legitimately try and help Trey Lance and be a good backup quarterback. Obviously, it's something he has experience doing for, he did it for years in New England with Tom Brady. And, you know, if you're making $24 million while you're doing it, like, yeah, maybe you can put up with that for a year and possibly win a Super Bowl. So it as much as I think that the team would be like, I like the idea of them getting more draft compensation because God knows they need it now after this Lance deal. If Jimmy was there and he was, you know, kind of all in as being the number two guy, there are certainly worse quarterback situations around the league than that. Correct. And the only way I could see him getting cut is if either – like you just hinted at, if he comes out and is grumpy in press conference or something after it's announced he's not the starter and he's like, you know, no, this is my team. I should be starting. Yeah, you got to get rid of him at that point. Right. And then by some miracle, one of the other guys steps up and looks like the real deal and could be a very solid, competent quarterback that you'd be confident starting a four or five week period just in case of an injury to Lance. I don't see that happening with uh, Rosen in Sudfield. But if they shine, I mean, they are both young quarterbacks, so they could have improved. We haven't really gotten to see much of them in training camp, so you won't know until preseason. But if they have improved to the point that Shanahan is confident using them as a stopgap, I could see them saying, okay, we're going to get the cap savings of Jimmy and cut him. Man, what do you think he does at that point? Like, he'd catch on somewhere, probably maybe Houston, because Casario drafted him, but like, I kind of agree with you. I don't know that anyone's bringing him in. Then again, Teddy Bridgewater keeps getting jobs. So what the hell do I know? Because I'm sorry. That guy's a tomato can as a quarterback. Great dude. Overcame a lot. 
not a very good quarterback. Honestly, for his career, long-term, it might be better if Jimmy is cut for him personally. He would, yeah, he would uh, have some money lost probably there because I don't think he would sit out the whole year. I think he would go and he would be able to then find the opportunity where he could start. Somebody that says, okay, we'll bring you in relatively cheaply to see what you got and see if you're our future. Some team that, you know, isn't in it, isn't going to be contending and doesn't really have, you know, that young quarterback that they truly believe in. I could see him then going and doing that. Or I could see somebody like the Pittsburgh Steelers saying, hey, Haskins is not looking good. Uh, I have not heard good reports from Big Ben in this training camp. I saw one person tweeting that uh, he definitely looks like he's toast. Um, (laughs) I don't think Jimmy would have a chance to unseat him, but he could see it as an opportunity. Okay, they're going to get rid of Haskins. They're going to bring me in as the backup, sign me to a multi-year deal, and when Big Ben retires, I get to lead the Steelers and potentially have a winning team right away. You know, Sorry, just to... I think it could be better for his career in the long term because if he spends, like I said, the entire year as the backup, he's going to have a hard time finding a starting caliber job. It's so funny that you mentioned Askins. I literally saw a report. I'm looking at it now on Pro Football Talk, and the headline is that the report is Dwayne Askins has been, quote, quote surprisingly good in practice. <laughs> Haskins has been the team's best play-action passer, according to Mark Caboli of The Athletic, and his accuracy and decision-making have been good. So. I agree, by the way. I think Pittsburgh would do well to sign Jimmy Garoppolo if he was out there. And I think Jimmy would look dynamite in the Steelers uniform. You get the Jimmy with the 5 o'clock shadow with the black Steelers jersey. Like, man, in terms of NFL quarterbacks, he's at the top of the list. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't have the long, blonde hair of Terry Bradshaw, but he he would (laughs) embrace him. (laughs) Or the long, blonde hair of Trevor Lawrence. Have you seen Trevor Lawrence's hair? It's out of control. It is what it is. I don't care what anybody's hair is, but maybe I just throw this out there for, you know, and giggles, but I I have heard really, really bad things about Zach Wilson. What if he totally bombs and is not taking the job seriously at all and is basically being acting spoiled or whatever you want to call it and is not studying, not looking good with the Jets who are his former coaches, Jimmy's former coaches, bring him in to one push Wilson. And if Wilson still doesn't take it seriously in year two, Jimmy is then the starter. They should bring him in. I mean, they're they have nobody after Wilson at quarterback. It's a Ross, there's a it's a joke there behind him. They should try to bring him in anyway. Um, but I think, yeah, I don't know that they would cut Wilson, but I could definitely see them maybe right. making making a move to yeah, push him a little bit if that were the case. I mean, you here's the thing with the rookie quarterback. You need to know one way or the other as fast as possible because it's going to dictate how you're going to build the rest of your team. So one way or the other, you have to stick that guy in there and see what he shows you and make a decision on your future. The Dolphins are doing that now with Tua. The Eagles are doing that now with Jalen Hurts. Like you have to know because if you decide that he's not the guy, you got to move on. And so it's going to happen with the 49ers and it's going to happen with all those teams that have uncertainty with young quarterbacks. So we will see what happens, but we appreciate the question. Thank you very much. If uh, you have questions, drop them in your iTunes review or your Spotify review, any anywhere you get your pods. We are happy to answer them. We will be here for you all year long. Levin, is there anything else from this week that jumped out to you before we call it a show? 
I just want to say that for once it was Rob who brought up kicking and Mitch Wisnowski rather than me. I didn't have to mention him. Rob did it all on himself. I, I'm converting you. Well, we had to hit our quota for the show. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's why I guess you do what you do. You you sometimes give me a break so I don't have to do all the heavy lifting. Don't break your arm patting yourself on the back there, Levin. That, we've got a long season to go here. That's all I'm going to say. Arm? Uh, it's both arms, so <laughs> you got to use the plural. And with that, that's going to call it an episode for the Gold Standard Podcast. That's episode 49. Again, thank you, everybody that's been listening and subscribing. We really do appreciate it. Let's keep it going. We're going to have tons more offerings for you. Uh, Stats and Eggs is obviously already back up and running. We're going to have live instant reaction shows after every game on the Niners Nation YouTube channel. Those will also be podcasts as well. Maybe a couple other surprises along the way. I believe Kyle Posey is going to talk with George Kittle tomorrow. So that's going to be fun. We have a lot of good stuff coming. So stick with us. We really do appreciate it. Enjoy your week, everybody. And we'll talk to you next week.